no word of a lie, I signed the Lincoln contract with Danny, both in our swimming trunks, top off, swimming trunks, buy the ice cream bit, because it was the only place that had a pen. House we grew up in had like a mini, like an arcway tunnel sort of thing we used to have. So we used to pretend we were coming out of Wembley and I've managed to do it because men don't talk. And at the time I didn't probably realise I was, was struggling a bit and you just think, oh, it's fine, it'll go, whatever. Welcome to On and Off the Pitch, the official podcast from Nottingham Forest. Now, now here's your host, Rachel Stringer. This is the official podcast of Nottingham Forest, On and Off the Pitch which is available on all your favourite podcast apps. And it's also available in video form on our Facebook and YouTube page. Today's guest signed for the club last summer from our playoff title rivals. He began his career as a canary, where his career really started to take flight. (laughs) You like that one? Yeah, nice good start. (laughs) Before he was the FA Cup youth winner and before he got a number of caps as well for the England juniors. He then progressed his way up the leagues all over the country. It was only four years ago when he was still playing in League Two. Fast forward to 2022, and he's a Premier League player. Please welcome to the official Nottingham Forest podcast on and off the pitch, Harry Toffolo. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. I mean, I was thinking about where I start with you, and I'm actually going to start with Twitter. Okay. You've written it in Italian, your Italian heritage. Uh, Please tell us what it means. Party of Inchi. Hmm. Right, so, um, so that comes from my family. So my um, my nonno, we call it. So it's Italian grandfather. So I got you got your nonno and nonna, so you can work out. I nonna. learned that from Jamie Oliver. Actually. Yeah, there you go. So, um, so they uh, he'd always say to me, "Party of Vinci, just like go and win, or win, win at everything, and just his whole motto was go attack, just attack everything you do." Um, and he's passed away. It'll be ten years this year he, um, when he passed away. So um, to be able to play in the Premier League, he watched me actually in that Youth Cup final on telly, and then he sadly passed away that that year. So um, in terms of for me, he was a massive role model f- uh, for myself and uh, I'm just gutted he never got to meet um, my kids, really, because he'd have absolutely loved it. Shows the kind of family person you are, then, Harry. And I remember, actually, I read that when you were playing England under 18s, 19s, 20, you also had Made in Italy tuned in England. So, obviously, your Italian heritage means a lot to you and you've mentioned that with your grandfather. Yeah, I think... Everyone's proud of where they're from, but I think Italians are extra pro- extra proud. Um, I was brought up on pasta and pizza uh, as a kid, albeit my, my mum was born in Preston and my parents met in uh, Liverpool University. Um, so my dad was born in Murano, Venice, and then he met a, a beautiful woman uh, who turned out to be my mother uh, in I'm Liverpool University. <laughs> yeah, so it just shows you and they've ended up having four, four boys, uh, four boys to keep the Toffolo name going in, in England. And you mentioned that you grew up on a pasta then and pizza. What other Italian cultures did your uh, your dad's side of the family kind of instill, do you think, in, in the Toffolo household? Um, I would go on record and say I make the best pasta sauce oh, for yeah? tomorrow. Yeah, the best. That would be one for the, for the um, media team. Actually, but. that then. We've had this, haven't we? Right. Scarpa, he's got condensed milk and Oreos. It sounds uh, horrendous. Yatesy has peanut butter curry. Okay. You've now got the best pasta no, sauce. I, I promise you now, if you tried my tomato sauce, you'd be like, wow. I think Taiwo was just chicken and rice. Of course it was. He was yeah. like, chicken and rice. Five, five, five or six ingredients. And I'm not even going to tell then. you. No, I'm not telling you. You have to try it. It is. Can I guess? Go on. Well, onion, garlic. No, you, no. Already, I'm out. I'm already <laughs> lost it. I, pro- I, 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 I promise <laughs> you. There's a secret here. It's top. I reckon I could, we could pack it up and sell it. But we need to just, uh, let's just focus on football first. If you, pack, if you packed it up and sold it, what would the name be? Nonnas, she it's her creation, so it'd be nonnas, nonnas tomato sauce. I'd have to give her some ten percent or something, maybe. But we're talking to Michael Dawes last year on the podcast, and he, Michael Dawson, and he was telling us about uh, his new kind of ventures off outside of football, and yours is going to be um, creating tomato sauce. I think oh. didn't Ed Sheeran just make a hot chili sauce? I, I don't know what he's up to <laughs> he nowadays. Did, so. did he? We got past Ed Sheeran's doing chili sauce. <laughs> yeah. Harry Toffolo's doing go, tomato yeah. sauce. Well, that sounds like uh, well, he, from fun. the sounds of it, he's having fun. So uh, and every time. I make it. That's my comfort food, though. So at home, whenever we've, I feel ill or anything like that, it always takes me back to feeling good again. And the kids, the kids love it. They've got no choice because they have it four times a week. Um, Your wife? Uh, I've taught her how to do it. She's really good. Not quite at the level, but she's really good. Um, but she's got time, so we're, we're all good. 
And I guess when I think of Italians, I would say passionate and expressive. Is that the kind of household that you yeah, grew up in? Yeah, but we, we, we were still, we're talking as if I'm, we had a full-on Italian household. We had a lot of English stuff in the house still in terms because of my mum. I don't know Preston, so if I said Italian, yeah, really expressive, what's Preston? Uh, uh, I don't really want to say. No, but no, it's, it's this different. And we, we really enjoyed going up to Preston and Lancashire to see uh, my mum's side of the family, and we're extremely close. And um, but we always like when you when you've got something a bit different. I think having an Italian is is quite a, a cool thing to have. And I always make sure the boys know that they're they're Italian as well and and stick to their roots. But also them being three quarters English, I try and make out their full Italian to them. But uh, we try and lean on that definitely. Actually, that's a question. Obviously, you've played for the England youth. Team. Was there ever a moment you thought I'll go and play over for Italy? Uh, I would always, I would always pick England first. So in the in the Euros, Euros final, wasn't it? England mm-hmm. v Italy. And so in our house, it was a win-win. But I wanted England to win, and I think my dad respected that. Um, but we was, we had like a home end and away end on the sofa because I had my mum and dad up for the game. Oh, it was tense. It was horrendous. I think we, my old man, went out of his way to cook Italian food the whole night, and it was like, oh, this is just going to go downhill. Um, and then. The way it all panned out with the whole the penalty shootout and oh no it was an incredible um, incredible day and I remember another fond memory growing up was the Italy World Cup 2006 we had everyone round and um, that was another moment where we were all like wow um, I've got two older brothers and a younger brother and it was I would probably say it's the last time we'd all been together because I was six years older so we'd have gone off to university the year after in terms of us all being properly together with all family that was probably one of the best memories we've had. So, it, it, no, it was definitely incredible. So you pretty much get the best of both worlds then in terms of a footballing kind of family with being English and Italy growing yeah. up. Yeah, be- English food and Italian food is the best food. So, <laughs> And you mentioned then you're one of four uh, growing up as well. Boys are, you know, pretty sporty footballing household as well, I've read. Yep. You're all football mad. Did that kind of come from your dad, your mum? Was you know that what? always the, a part of your life? The, the, el- the eldest... Um, it's called Jonathan. He's not football mad at all. He's he's an extremely intelligent um, person that can speak five, six languages. He's studied Chinese at university. So he's like the genius um, of the family. And then they let it slip with their other three. But oh no, I'm joking. I'm joking, mum. But no, it was... Um, the, we were mad. Yeah, we were, the other three were football mad. We'd play in the garden all the time. My younger brother was... He's all right in goal because we used to stick him in goal all the time because he was the youngest. He had no choice. Bless him. But um, he's yeah he's six foot four now and he can he has us all so I thought we regret doing it now. Um, but no, it was good. It was we've got really good memories. We used to have a house um, house we grew up in had like a mini like archway tunnel sort of thing we used to have. So we used to pretend we were coming out of Wembley and I've managed to do it, albeit um, on the losing side uh, against Forest. But I managed to we had that dream and that was for me when I had the opportunity to play at Wembley. I was like I took me way back to when I was nine years old, eight years old, playing in the garden with my brothers. And I think that calmed me down, to be honest. I think that put me in a better place mentally for the game because I thought, no, I've done this before. Maybe not with 90,000 people, but I've done it before. And it was, it's, yeah, I've got really good memories. All the best memories have been outside playing football with my brothers, definitely. Did your brothers try and pursue the same level that you did in football? And kind of how far did they get and where have they ended up now? Uh, my brother above me says he was always better, but he never had the chance. Uh, and then the younger one, um, he was really he, what he is he's really really good at rugby because he was six foot four so um, he was better of his hands and his feet definitely so um, but no we, I think they uh, they pushed me they definitely having an older brother four years older he definitely in the garden was knocking me about and I think that puts me in a better place now than I would have been potentially if I was a I see it now with my two boys. The second one is a nutter he would get stuck in where the first one's a bit more apprehensive and a bit more nice. Um, and you can see that that he's had his younger brother and older brother pushing him about, which is which is. It'd be interesting to see the stat actually of footballers that have older siblings and that actually make it compared to first first childs. Well, again, actually, Michael Dawson was the last guest on the podcast. He's got obviously two older brothers, and they were actually both at Forest, yeah. and he's the one that's been the most successful. And he's obviously um, assistant manager or coaching up is he in Hull and Kevin. I don't think works in football still now but again a family of three boys and the youngest one they, they, I, there must be some sort of science in it but that's another podcast I think Harry let's talk a little bit about the beginning then yep. because it was started at Norwich Norwich City for you of course you were there for a while in the academy but I think there's a story about how a scout came 
looking not particularly for you. Yeah, how do you know this? Your oh. research is incredible. Well, I meant to do my research, Harry. Yeah, that, no, I was, I, was um, I used, to, used to go, so I used to play, f- I was playing with my friends, like Sunday League football, Saturday League, forgotten whatever it is now, what my son is doing now, all the way up to age 12. So it really annoys me, to be honest, that you've got parents that are pushing their kids in academy situations, um, but each their own, if they're happy doing it. And the, the, ultimately, if the kids are happy, then I think that's, as long as it's not the parents that are overly happy more than the children. Um, but I, I would never put my son in a pressure situation because these kids are getting judged. I'm going off track here, but these kids are getting tr- judged from 9, 10, 11, 12. It's, it's horrendous. But anyway, back to the story. Um, so I was, yeah, I, I went for a centre of excellence at Stevenage because they were non-league at the time. Um, and it was progression. So it was like performance, development, elite. Uh, I forgot excellence, elite. So every time I used to get up the level, my dad would buy me like an Xbox game or a PlayStation game. So I was like buzzing, absolutely buzzing. And he said, if you can get to Elite, I'll give you £50 and you can buy whatever you want. So I was like, right, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. And I think I didn't know I was that... Well, I think I did because we played Sunday League and I was striker. You slowly get moved further back. Being the only left footer in the team, I was then put left back. Um, I think I scored like 50 goals in 20 games. Uh, and, I was, and my mum and dad are going, something's not right here. Like, he shouldn't be scoring this many goals. Um, so then they put me to Stevenage and I progressed through that and um, Ronnie Lawson uh, a name that uh, he still speaks to me now he was a fantastic he was my coach um, and I was under I was under 12s and this was the under 13s so I went um, playing in his games with all the all the other the older kids a year older and then a scout came called Paul Lowe who ended up going to Liverpool after that as well um, turned up to the game and was like oh I really like the centre back and he's like, yeah, yeah, he's good, um, but you need to look at the left-back. He's a year younger than everyone else. And he was like, oh, all right, all right, we'll bring him up within the, le- the centre-back and we'll see how he gets on. The centre-back didn't sign and I signed. Um, and then the rest is history. I end up being at, um, I need to get this right, my mum hammers me every time, 12 or 13, I think I was. When I, f- I think 13 when I went to Norwich. Um, we had a fantastic age group. Carlton Morris is playing in the championship. You've got the Murphy brothers, Cam McGeehan, um, few players that are playing Riesel Johnson playing in the in the leagues as well and we had a really good year and we knew we had a good year we were winning a lot and a lot of us were representing our our country um and then when the youth cup came we thought this is our chance we've got a big chance here to to do something special and after we won the first couple we were like okay we're in a good place and then we started to really really knit together which is something ultimately the most successful teams always seem to knit really well together and um yeah, we had an incredible time. I think the, the first team at the time was struggling a bit and we were having to go on the pitch before the game and row the fans up because the fans were completely um, infatuated by the young players coming through because they thought the future looked really bright and and, and rightly so, really, because we, we were filling the Carrow Road in the Youth Cup matches, which is just surreal. Wow. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it was, it was good. It was incredible. And 17, and to think it's 10 years. I did an interview the other day, 10 years since we... Uh, we won the Youth Cup and that's just flown by. And um, no, it was incredible. It was a really, really incredible time. A couple of questions there. Where are all the PlayStations now? You must have got a load of them. Oh, absolutely smashed it. Um, PlayStation 2. I actually re-bought the PlayStation 2 the other day. Did you? Yeah, because... Um, oh, old school that was. Yeah, I know. PS5, no? Yeah, it's PS... Is it PS5? Yeah, it's PS5, PS5 now. Yeah. Um, I bought it the other day because I love FIFA Street so me and my, my eldest because he loves FIFA and I was like that's not the real game I'm like like my dad now going back to hang on I'm a FIFA fan yeah. so that is the real game but there we go yeah so FIFA Street so we had that and then Paddy Kenny in goal and, and all that all that uh, type and he was like what is this because the graphics obviously are shocking compared to, but at the time we thought that was like the best thing ever so I'm there buzzing playing this game he's like dad you're a loser mate what are you doing he wants just to play yeah, FIFA like, and buy play all FIFA. the best players. Yeah, but then even on his FIFA game, he's he's got um, my my dad set him up with his. He plays for I'm not going to say the team, but he plays for his local team, and he's got all of his mates on the team, and he's created all their faces, and he's given the stats, and he's like, he's like, oh no, put me in the Premier League, and my dad's like, no chance, you got to go in League Two, and you got to work, <laughs> work your way your up. Way yeah, up. there you go. <laughs> Um, so he's in League Two, fuming that he's have to work his way up the league. I said, mate, that's, sometimes you got to do that. Um, but no, he loves it. He's proper infatuated in football and I don't really get much time to play PlayStation now. I've too busy, too many people running around the house. So, And I heard some of your boys actually come out and sound the tunnel as well when you're playing. I mean, it must be so nice. You've got three children now that 
especially the boys. I mean, I don't know. Does your girl, does she enjoy yeah. the game or not? Doesn't no, know as much about it yet? No, my, my daughter gets stuck in, yeah. She gets stuck in with the boys because having two older brothers, um, she has to. Obviously, she's just going to miss out on a lot of things. Um, but it's like he did the mascot the other the other week for the Man City. He's, he loves Man City. He loves Harland. Of course, not, not Man City. He loves Harland. Yeah. Um, so I was on the bench that day and then he said, oh, I want to, uh, I actually surprised him. I was like, do you want to go um, be a mascot on the weekend? And he cried when I first said, because he was going to be scared. He was like, everyone's going to be looking at me. I said, I said, I love you, but they're not looking at you. I said, they're looking at the team. Um, and then, so he walked out with Brennan. Uh, he absolutely loved it. Um, and we got a, a video of him walking down, shaking the player's hand. And then he looks away when he sees Harlan. And I was like, why did you look away? And he was like, oh, um, I just wanted him to know that we're in a game. And I thought, wow, ruthless. Maybe that's what put him off in the game. You never know. Like always like know. that trash talk, yeah, but I, I like, can't look at you. We're I rivals like, here. I was like, go on, son, love it. My dad's uh, there on the bench. You know, yeah. we're going to come and have yeah. you. I'm not looking at him. No chance. I was like, wow, go on then. Because I was trying to explain, like, these guys are like Man City, obviously, Man Arsenal at the minute. These guys are the top, top players in the world of football. You can't turn this opportunity down. I now play in the, played in the Premier League, playing in the Premier League, and I never went on the pitch once as like a mascot so I never had that growing up and I think to have that opportunity we're extremely lucky the profession we're in where we can get our children into that so he has to take that because you never know when the next opportunity like that will come yeah really special and the fact that you've got the pictures and the video I'm sure oh, it's unbelievable yeah. it'll come back to haunt him though when he's like 20 be like do you remember that time you're a mascot and you didn't look at Harland in the eye and he'd be like oh dad you know don't bring it up whatever yeah. unless but Harland skins him if he makes it as a footballer one day and he'll go that's why he don't look at me but we'll see <laughs> that's a question I was going to ask obviously he's football mad your son um you know he's playing football other, other weekends but you kind of mentioned how you feel kind of I guess that academy setup is that you're really pushing these kids at a young age did you feel that at a young age as well no Over I, I never I, my mum and dad were new were new to this so they and I'm not saying my mum and dad have got the perfect blueprint and, and nobody has because I've played with players that have played in academies from eight years old and they've gone on to have fantastic careers but my big my big pet hate is and and sometimes you lose. Sometimes these kids you lose in under eights, under nines, but they lose. And sometimes you've got to learn to lose. Um, but it's the ones when the parents start to have more enjoyment or more impact than the children is that's when the problem lies with me because I think, are you, do you want to be a professional footballer or are you trying to live your dream through your son? So, And you see that. And I've played with players that are technically much better than me, physically much better than me. But you just can see it and it's whether they're being influenced by out outside and you just think and then they fall away from the game and you think how is he not playing anymore um but I, I like to think my parents give me a, a good background a humble background to to work hard and and that's something that yes I'm in the situation I'm in but for my children not just in football but in life you have to have that otherwise you you can get yourself really caught up well let's see how he gets on then watch your yeah. space possibly he might be at this academy yeah. in a couple of years that would be pretty special yeah. um let's talk then carry on about Norwich because we kind of left that a little bit there um Neil Adams you said was kind of yeah. influential from 13 to yeah. kind of 19 and I don't think possibly every player has that kind of there yeah. are a lot of people coming in and out all the time what do you think that added to you and your game going forward having one person that was really championing you Neil is one of the best people in football. Um, I had him as under-14s manager when I signed under-13s, 14s. Um, he, I, he took me all the way through for when he got the first-team job, when I was training with the first team, to being my loans manager. So I had I had Neil all the way up to 22, in fact, because until I left to yeah. go to... Well, 21, 22. So he was a massive figure and he got on really well with my mum and dad, um, which was important for me because he showed a lot of respect to family. Um but no, he is as a person, and I look at people as a person first. Like someone could be not good at their job or can do whatever. But if you're a good person and I value you, then I work hard and you bend the rules for certain people because you like them and they're good people. But I never had to do that because he was just one of the one of the great people that excelled at everything he did. And the position he's in now at Norwich, he's thoroughly deserves to be there. Um, and I hope one day to return to Norwich in a sense, in some sort of capacity, because the time I had there was was I had very fond memories. Um, and then even my my wife is Norfolk, Norfolk based, and all her family's there. And 
my son was born in Norwich. So we've got strong ties with, with Norfolk and, and, and Neil Adams has, has played a, definitely a massive part in all of that. I mean, guess when, you know, you're younger there and you're looking for role models, you've left home pretty young, your parents yeah. still in Stevenage, they're up, up and down the A14, like regular to kind of come and see you. Do you look for maybe like that role model, that father figure, because you're not living at home yeah. from a young age, you know, you've moved, you're in digs, you're maturing so quickly. Do you think Neil kind of filled that hole that you lack there? And some people don't get that. Yeah, definitely. Neil, Neil was the. Everyone has to work their way to where they are now. But Neil used to ta- used to be the minibus driver for us. He used to take us. He was more than that at the time. Obviously, he was the coach. But he used to drop. He'd do all our jobs, clean all the boots, clean all the balls, clean the cones, which I don't think happens now in football with with younger players. I don't think they do all the boots. They've, we would. I remember once uh, Norwich. I had um, uh, Dave Watson, the goalkeeping coach. Carnage. He he was mad. And I'd, and yeah, he was mad. So I'd me and my mate Kyle um, were doing we're in charge of the goalkeeper's balls, and we got in a bit late and we had breakfast a bit late and we thought oh we've not done the balls oh no we we need to get them out now by half nine so we thought ah oh, we just pushed them and thought ah oh, they'll be all right nah there was one flat one in the bottom of the bag so we took the we took them out and I was like oh so we we thought nothing of it went back and then all we, we were training all we got a shout was who's done that and he shouted our names and I was like oh, oh well, here we go so we both walked over and in front of the whole first team so we were under first years scholars he battered us and I was like oh this is horrendous um, and then I think they all had a go I, I might, I might have been punishment? that one. Oh, they all had a go we, we, was, um, we all lined up in the goal and just smacking balls at us it was incredible well it wasn't really incredible it was horrendous <laughs> it was incredible for them possibly. oh I bet they loved it because if that happened now with me I'd be buzzing like go on lads you're in um, but no and, and for the next three weeks we're washing them with toothbrushes <laughs> We were panicking, thinking he's going to find any mud here. We were checking the ball. We did everything. And he was like, but then he taught us, don't cut corners. And I've never done that since because you you get, end of the day, you keep cutting corners, you're going to get found out. And he maybe did that as a, a lesson to me. And I'm probably grateful for him now. At the time, I didn't really appreciate it. But for me, that stayed with me because I thought, you know what? He actually, maybe you, you don't know the little moment you go, that's stop cutting corners because you're going to get found out. And I think that was a big moment in my career at Norwich and then obviously the progression led but yeah that was tough that was tough I love stories like that that's great and the fact that you're talking still about not cutting corners I'm sure that's something you instill with your children and possibly all the yeah. teams that you've you've been a part of but I like to think that even with the young lads that come over now in at Forest with the young players that come through because I've been there and you're nervous you're nervous going into a, a first team environment and it's not easy um, but it's important making them feel comfortable but also knowing this is serious, you're in a professional environment, um, you're here to work hard. They might dip in for three days, two days, go back to their games, play development league. But we're playing Premier League, so you need to be at the level. And I think I've realised that if you're better with people, you're going to get more out of them. And even the younger players, and, and a lot of time when I went up, you necessarily didn't have that because people have got life. Life is happening around other people as well and they've got lots, lots of stuff going on. And I think sometimes putting your arm around a player going, come on, you've got this, just do your usual game, you must be doing something good to be here, so just keep doing that. Um, and you like to see the benefits, and, and there's a lot of players in this Forest dressing room, the first team dressing room, that do that for the younger players coming over, and it's really nice to see him refreshing, and I think ultimately that comes from the manager, because he's uh, he's a good man, and, and he's someone that is very relatable, so I think that definitely starts from the top all the way down. Yeah, well, I want to carry on. I'll get back to Steve in the dressing room here in a moment. I want to carry on because there's quite a lot of uh, clubs to talk about. Your list is quite extensive, Harry. Um, Just put it out there. We'll get onto that in a moment. Um, And you mentioned there, you know, players get nervous kind of going into different kind of teams. You were constantly moving. But I was reading, like, different managers saying different things about you, and everyone says... Things like in the short space of time that Harry was here, he's made such an impact. He was such a great player. So how did you, every time moving, for example, I think Swindon, you were there for a couple of months, for example. You go in, you make an impact, you leave. You have to be such a resilient person to go in there and just get on with people, figure out how they play, make an impact and then move. Did you find that difficult? Not really. You could put me in any situation, any situation in the world and I'll get on with everyone I think um, I'm very easy to talk to and um, in any situation but I think I've sung, sung about 12 initiation songs as well so my voice is incredible I've had so much practice um, Did my, that, my What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction is incredible 
Was that what you did here? I'm not doing it now. No. I wasn't going to ask you. Yeah, I'll say I'll save the audience. Yeah, there but, you go. Um, but did you do that here? Uh, no, I'd follow me, Uncle Cracker. I thought I'd switch it up. Mm. Is that as, as great? Uh, no, I think I was well. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm sure we can find that no one, one somewhere. No one, no one really joined in. It was pretty awkward, actually. <laughs> so One Direction is where it's at, yeah, okay, according day, to yeah. Harry. Um, but you just mentioned that you get on with everyone. Was that always the case, or did that come from constantly having to no, I, I moved, go different places? I moved school, um, obviously you moved school to a bigger school, then I moved school to suit me with football, because obviously in, oh, when I was under 16s, I was doing quite well, so we needed to do like a day release, so I was having one day off school a week. Um, so I would be going, the new school were fantastic in terms of um, helping me and really promoting me with the football. Um and we had tutors to catch up and, and the club Norwich were really good. I was potentially at one point I was going to move up to Norwich and they were going to put me in the school, which they now do, which is good to see. Um, but no, it's, I, f I don't know, I, I can't put my finger on what it is, but I can talk to anybody. I might bore you, but I might talk to, I can talk to anyone. Well, that's how I got you on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but you also mentioned um, that Neil was your loans manager. Because you had such a good relationship with him, could you kind of manipulate possibly where you were going to go to? Do you have a better say in where you were going to go the next season when you're at Norwich? Um, I've, I, because of the, the times have changed in terms of um, loans. You used to be able to go on loan for one month, two yeah, months, and you come months, back. Yeah. yeah, a couple of months. Now it's window to window. You're only allowed to play for two clubs in a year. So a lot of time at Norwich, what they do is, if you look at a lot of those Norwich players from... Uh, my age, year above, probably a couple of years below as well. If you look at the, in terms of the clubs they've had, they've probably been at two clubs every year mm -hmm. because what they do is they send you out on loan, see how you get. And if you're doing well, they'll move you to somewhere better. And if if you're not doing so well, they'll either keep you there or they'll go, okay, we'll get somewhere you can get game time. So it's yeah, it's it's that fine balance of because ultimately you're going on loan to play. You don't want to go on loan to just train. So. Um, but I do look at my loans with a bit of regret because I didn't play as many games as I wanted to play. And then I think that was down to, I don't know, I'm more equipped now. It's one of them, like, if you're young, 10 years. Yeah, you know hindsight I mean? is yeah. wonderful. Hindsight's a lovely thing. Yeah, and I think a lot of time I look at that and I go, yeah, I didn't take that opportunity or I didn't take that. And that's why now I'm like, you've got to take this opportunity. You've got to do it. And, and it's held me in good stead up to this point. Was there possibly one particular loan spell you really thought you that was a missed opportunity? Um, Rotherham I feel like it Rotherham when I first got into the, the my championship loan so I went to Swindon on loan we ended up going to the playoff final we lost to we lost in that and then my next move was right you've top end of the league one going to the championship but I probably wasn't ready for the championship then and um, probably a little bit naive be openly honest with you but um, going into the situation and I felt from that move I learned the most out of my I learned most about myself because I was like okay, there's things you've got to work on here. There's, um, and that wasn't maybe technical ability, it was more the mental side. And I think it, it only until the last five, six years, the mental side in football has really been spoke about and, and mental health outside of football and how, how footballers, and even in normal life, it's been promoted a lot more because it's needed. Um, because men don't talk. And at the time, I didn't probably realise I was, was struggling a bit and you just think, oh, it's fine, it'll go, whatever. Um, but no, then I spoke and I've got good people around me and it really, once I'd went back to Norwich, I realised, you know what, you weren't you, weren't you, you weren't Harry then, I wasn't talking to everyone, I wasn't having any, the impact that I like to have in places. But but no, I think it definitely has is, is made me learn and evolve over the years to now I can go in any dressing room and get on with everyone because I've been through the hard times to now I'll be able to get back to to put myself in a situation where I just put myself out there. I'm going to be me. If you don't like me, then you don't like me, but I'm going to be myself and still go home to my wife and three kids and, and, and I'm happy and, and I've achieved everything I can in that day. And coaches, I think, and managers, they're learning to talk more as well. And I know you're at Lincoln with Danny and Nikki Cowley, yeah. who I want to talk about because I think their story is, is amazing. And they liken their players to their children. And they say, they're not just players, they're our children. And I mean, what did you experience or what was your experience at Lincoln like under Danny and how he treated you as, as people, not just as players? Well, a good story really about um, Danny and Nicky is that I left, um, left Millwall um, and I had no club and I thought, oh, I'll be all right. Played in England under 18s, 19s, 20s. It's now 22, so I'd only played about 70 games. And I thought, okay, it's more than my mates have played. And it was like nothing. Week went on, nothing. I was like, 
what's going on here? I thought it's, I thought I was going to have loads of offers. Like this is, I've, I've let it, I've, this, I've let it slip now. I've gone. This career's done. You've waited, yeah. yeah, I've waited, waited. And then three came at once, and it was about what the right opportunity was. And I spoke to Danny on the phone, and we was going, oh, talking, talking. I thought I really like him. I really, really like him. He's the way he talks, the way he is as a person, and uh, his values. So I then thought, okay, let me have another chat. We did, and he was like. I was like, yeah, done. I, I want to come to Lincoln. I want to sign for Lincoln. I'd never played in League Two, so for me, it was almost like you've got to go and do. You've got to go and do well here because I've played League One Championship. You've now got to do it. You've so-called dropping down. But you're not dropping down because until you prove it at that level, you're not good enough for that level. That's the way I look at mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. So he's like, oh, I'll, I'll get back from Dubai in uh, on the 14th of June, and we'll sign the papers. No, I said, I'll get back on the 18th. I'll sign the papers then. He was like, oh, uh, thinking I'd go somewhere else. So he was very much like, oh, no, we get back on the 14th. He said, where are you staying? And we said, oh, we said, same hotel. I was like, no chance. And no word of a lie, I signed the Lincoln contract with Danny, both in our swimming trunks, top off, swimming trunks, by the ice cream bit, because it was the only place that had a pen. And we signed the contract. And we went, well, that is the weirdest place you're ever going to sign a professional contract. And I went... I said, I'm not sure what's just happened, but thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and then I proceeded for the next three days to see my manager, my new coach, topless, by the pool, <laughs> in sun cream on, uh, which was, yeah, fantastic. Um, but no, yeah, it was, it was good. And then we ended up having an incredible time together. And the way they took the city, it's very similar to Steve Cooper here. He's, he, they've really bought into everything the city is. And, and, and Danny and Nicky did that. And... They reaped the rewards for all the success they had and they got the move to Huddersfield, which which for me, they did an incredible job at Huddersfield, keeping them in the division. And for me, I'm extremely grateful that they took me with them. Um, I think as soon as they left, the lads were all thinking, all right, when are you going? Because we were quite tight, me and, and Danny and Nicky. I believe you've been on holiday together in your swimming shorts. Yeah, you know, go. awkwardness is out it the window, It was a bit awkward. Right? We went on holiday again the next year. It was weird. <laughs> no, we didn't, by the way. <laughs> Uh, no, but no, it was quite funny because it was just seeing them by the pool. I was like, "What is?" Go- I literally like, "What is going on here?" And and Annie, I think we had yeah, we had two at the time. I was like, "This is just bizarre." I, was, I think I texted my mum. I was like, um, "Yeah, I've, I've just signed it all." She's like, "Where?" I was like, "Don't ask." But I actually had to go to the reception, ask for a printer to print the contract off, and they didn't have a printer. So I had to go to the business uh, centre, and I had to wait about fifty because there's obviously so many pages. That's where like 10 minutes um, for this printer to come out. Um, all this stuff, and I thought, I've got it now. Do you want to sign it? Oh, it's, when you look back now, it's, you laugh. But it's, no, it, w- it was incredible. And I'm so glad I did it because I love, I love Lincoln. It's incredible. I went back with my son the other day uh, to watch the game uh, against MK Dons. He loved it. I text the CEO, Liam Scully, who I get on really well with. Yeah, it's a fantastic club and one that I'd I'd, I'd love to to go back to to Lincoln because this the city is incredible and everyone's lovely. Carrying on that, Danny took you to Huddersfield. We've got to go there. That was like a bit a big move, wasn't it, yeah. to a big championship side there and kind of what they were trying to achieve. Obviously, you didn't last your entire duration, Danny. Or I'm talking about there. What what kind of changes did you see in him that it brought around to kind of you and the team? when he did go coming from such a lower side, it was his big, big move as well, wasn't it? From being a PE teacher to then coming on as a, a, working up the leagues, kind of similar story, we can say that, to being a, you know, a championship manager. Um, Was he the right fit at the time? Was he the right fit for you and the club at the right time? I think he was definitely the right fit for the club. Um, For what they achieved with 1.5 to 10 games is incredible. And I I will, we can spear for, million hours talking about the Cowleys and I'll Lama. always say good, I'll always say good things about them they're incredible oh I incredible love the story people. yeah um, but what they did for Huddersfield probably goes unnoticed because of the situation that the club was in at the time um, they had a lot of in that first year they came down the year I went and had a lot of egos in that dressing room and a lot of um, big personalities um, and they sorted it out they, they got it sorted and they they put they kept Huddersfield up that ultimately led to the Carlos era, which was a fantastic era for the football club as well. So then I believe it was the foundation to lead the club to the playoffs because the club could have gone down to League One and it, that season easily. And, and I don't think in the situation, and they would have blamed the Cowleys in that situation either because of, the situa- because of the, where they were. But 
what they achieved is incredible and it's such a shame to see them out of the game at the minute but I'm I'm certain they're going to be back in the game in some capacity uh, working um, doing their business again well you've kind of spoken haven't you about how it's so important to have this togetherness and I think that's what Cowley slash Carlos kind of era did at Huddersfield as well and you know you've spoken about the little things that they implemented and one I'd like you to tell me about was the the wheel of money non-fortune on the Fridays yeah so we'd have um, a wheel of fortune so it'd be we're already getting taxed by the government and then we were taxing people just on payday just to spin the wheel so the lads were getting double tax but hadn't they done something wrong in the week no this was a payday spin so just a payday spin oh my mistake so they were fine so you'd have for example, £100 for being late on a match day, it'd double and it'd it change, it'd be different things. So you'd, like, you'd wear the wrong hoodie for a match day. But I always thought that was good because it'd bring everyone together because it had everyone around the dressing room, everyone looking around the wheel. You were nervous to spin the wheel because like, the worst case scenario was times five. So if you, so I was late to a training session, for example, £100. Um, you'd spin it, you could be doing 500 quid and that's, that's a lot of money. So you don't want to be giving anybody 500 quid other than your own family and, and, and friends but it's um it was good it brought people together not many people got that 500 pounds but um and then you put it towards like you for example Huddersfield we um used to buy all the staff gifts at Christmas and I think it was really good like wine beer um and then we'd um as a team go on a night out or we do functions with the family we'd get bouncy castles there's a lot of kids um when we was at Huddersfield, so we just rent out somewhere and do loads of and just just something to really bring everyone together. And, I, and I'm 100 percent certain it made us get to where we were because it was it was hard because the Cowleys were in a, the um, COVID era as well. So and I probably think I might not have gone to Huddersfield if COVID was three weeks earlier. You never know if Monday would have pulled the plug. But a lot of clubs did on the money and, and buying players. So I think it was after the Leeds game. We lost two 0 away, and then it suddenly looked like the whole league was going to stop. And then they had to deal with that coming back, and nobody knew what was happening with lockdown. And it, yeah, it was, yeah, they've been through they've been through a lot, and they deserve a lot of the credit they're getting. Got such fine margins. Can Massive. you imagine if you hadn't have gone over? I to wouldn't Huddersfield? be here now. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. We're, well, we've got to talk about kind of I guess what happened last season, the end of last season. Obviously, it was playoff final, and again, if it had gone the other way. Neither of us would have probably been no. sitting here now. If Huddersfield yeah. had gone up and, and, and Forrest had t- stayed in, in the championship, it'd look very different. But we have to ask, what everyone would love to know, like being on the opposite side for where we are now yeah. at those playoff finals, what was that like? To be honest, it was gutting because I was not aware of anything to do with Forrest. So I was very much like, oh no, we've just missed the chance to go to Premier League. But it, yeah, it was tough. It was tough to take and... We went. I was getting married. That I got married that summer as well, and it was just it was. It, it didn't ruin the day, but it didn't far from ruin the day. But it was very much. It just it, it was in. It was there, and I think not until I went on my, on my honeymoon, I realised how drained I was from the whole experience, emotionally, physically, from the season. Because it's not just the playoff final. You're doing the whole playoffs. Then there's like a two week gap, ten day gap between, and then the final. And you'd already played forty six games, so it was just an accumulation of everything. And the, the team that any team that wins a playoff final is, is an incredible achievement and I still think on the day it could have gone either way and you look back and um, I'm glad that the Forest fans got to have have an incredible day and, and looking at them now in the situations um, incredible but I'm also gutted because I've got a lot of friends here at the football club but outside the football club as well through my kids going to school as well that have missed out on the opportunity to go back to the Premier League so it's, it's a bit bittersweet, and especially with me and Lewis now being here as well, is um, makes it a little bit more complicated. But I'm now aware that I'm I'm a I'm a Forest player, and I'll be forever grateful to Huddersfield for the time they gave me, and um, the people there are incredible, the fans are incredible, and yeah, it's in in a, in a sad and most bluntest way possible. The life moves on, and I've got to now um, focus on what I can do to to keep this team in a division and move up the league. Yeah, and we are now talking about Forest being a Premier League team, and obviously they came for you. And like you just said, Lewis O'Brien, your very openly best mate. It was kind of a, a double swoop at the time. He's obviously gone off to yeah. Washington now, which is exciting for him. Um, I mean, you've got to now put, like you just said, everything on the line for Forest. And what did it mean? Let's talk about Newcastle. Finally, after so many years, I'm going to say yeah. that because you had such the journey, yeah, getting to 
become a Premier League starter well, it's, the debut. Yeah, it was incredible. But I, it was a bit, again, bittersweet, the Newcastle game, because I think we'd all got um, a bit of rabbit in the headlights because I think we'd no one had been to the Premier League. Yes, players have played in it, but before but we'd never we, the club hadn't been there so we didn't really know what to expect and I think Newcastle came out fast and they showed us why they are where they are in the league um, and it's not until we came back to the city ground that I noticed the West Ham game when I was like wow um, where the roof literally went off when uh, T scored that goal um, and to be able to play a part in the goal as well for myself was and then the clean sheet it was like that felt like my debut because it was me going now nah, okay I can do this I'm here I'm going to I'm going to do it where obviously Newcastle was the debut but it, but you always like to win you want to win football matches um but it's quite nice we got a memorabilia that thing from the Premier League of football which was a nice touch um something that yeah it's, it's something to show my grandchildren and whatever and just to sometimes stop and look at it and go do you know what well you're doing all right well don't keep going and just keep chipping away yeah, I saw you tweet about that, like a, a yeah, match ball, incredible. wasn't it? Um, which was great. And you mentioned the fans here. Obviously, that was your your home debut, yeah. then, the West Ham one. Um, you likened kind of playing at the City Ground to European nights. Is that how you feel it is when you come here and play in front of the home fans? Yeah, I, I love it. When when the fans do the the flags and they, when they um, sing the, yeah, yeah. the famous song, is incredible. It's, I came here in the FA Cup for Huddersfield, um, and we played in that game, and I was I was um, we rested a few players that day, so I was on we were on the bench, and a few, and we were just all sat there looking at each other, going, "Oh my!" Um, and I and it was just like the most surreal thing, and then to be able to experience it in the other dugout and on the pitch is something that you you can't explain. And I had my cousin over from from Italy actually came to the game against um, Newcastle, we came to the Newcastle game, and he was just like, "Oh wow!" He goes to San Siro every week for Inter Milan, so. He was like, this, this is incredible. Um, and he, he was yeah, showing me all the videos after and he couldn't believe the noise that's made. And I was like, it, that, that it barely touches the sides when you hear when the whole place erupts. And a, quite a cool moment, actually, with the manager, Steve Cooper, showed a, a video after the Man City game when we equalised. And we all sat there for about five minutes in silence when he pressed play. Um, and it was just the fans going wild. And he turned the volume right up and we all just sat there and it was pure silence for five minutes. And we just took that goosebumps. Everyone was just like, wow. And it was a, the first, not the first moment, but it was a, a massive moment for the dressing room because obviously we've been through a bit of a tough period and then we, we levelled out the results and we started gaining points to realise that we're all together here. We're, we're all in this together. Um, everybody wants the same thing. And that we just it, it was an incredible moment because... Not a single word was spoke between 25 lads in a room and a coaching staff just listening to the fans singing all the songs, all the songs they do, reeling them all off. And it was just like, wow, we're so lucky as, 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 a, as football players and as human beings to be in the situation we're in. And obviously we're, we're sitting here at the international break right now as well with 11 games still to go as we're recording this. We've kind of alluded there to how much the fans mean to not just this club, but a lot of football clubs, but we're talking specifically about here. How much can they help you get over the line this year? Like, if there's something that you could say to the fans right now, which would add that extra bit of a motivation, is there, you know, anything that would help? I hope, I hope they know how much they mean to us as players and staff, because not only do they make us feel proud to play for this football club, I hope we make them proud to play for this football club as well. But we know that there's an incredible history at this football club and we know how much it means to the supporters and for the generations before. But there's a new era now and these players are, are fighting every day um, to keep this team in the Premier League, to move them up the divisions because ultimately we want to move up the, the league table. We don't want to be fighting for relegation. We want Every team wants to be pushing on but just to stick with us in the times that are hard because when, when it's good, we'll all enjoy it together and we can uh, make the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've still got a long way to go, so let's let's see how the final few games do go. We've mentioned, I've got to talk about your best pal, yep. Lewis. It was, he came with here with you. He's not gone now, but was that has that felt like you're... Uh, he's gone now, sorry. Does that feel like you've lost a, a part of you here that's kind of been on quite that journey with you? Obviously, yeah. he was at Huddersfield... You know, as a, as a youth player, and came up through the ranks there. Um, but you obviously had that connection. Yeah, well, I first met Lou when he was twenty-one, 
So um, he's matured a lot uh, in that time, and I've got to know his family because obviously we do. We've got to know all them. He's got a lovely family who's had a really nice upbringing with them, and and he's one of the best people in football, if not the best person in football. And um, to be able to play football with your best mate is something that you can't really uh, comprehend because sometimes you uh, you don't get that opportunity and. Uh, no, he's a great guy. I could go on and on, on about Lewis. He's a, he's a top, top guy. And um, I really hope he shines out in the MLS. And I'm sure he will. Um, he looks like he's loving his life out there at the minute anyway. Yeah, tell me about that. Has he yeah, uh, given you an insight into his life in DC at the moment? Yeah, he is. He, um, he showed me a, a photo uh, of him at the Washington NBA game. And he was like, what are you up to? And I thought, do you really want to see? And as whilst I was changing my daughter's nappy, um, and I thought, I'm not going to send him that, it would be horrendous. But I was like, uh, yeah, this, this, I'm, I'm just changing nappies, buddy, what are you up to? And he's like, oh, I'm just at the NBA game. I'm like, yeah, some life. But, but he, he knows he's going out there to do a job, and, um, and he's looking forward to it. He's got, uh, obviously, Wayne Rudy there, who has any English person, obviously with the ties with Forrest and Derby and everything like that, but any English person working under Wayne Rooney is an he'll be in awe of Wayne Rooney and he'll want to work hard for him. Would he ever uh, try and get you out there? Please say you're not going just yet. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm going to... In Leicester in the future. I'm going to go out in the summer and I'll watch the Will game. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's probably going to hear this, but I'm not going to tell him. I'm just going to surprise him and try and get to sign oh, a shirt we'll or something. Oh, ruin that now. Yeah, there you go. And in terms of you and your family, you've mentioned a bit. Have you have you settled now in Nottingham? Because I think it was your wife, she put on Instagram, it's so difficult. I didn't realise being married to a footballer would be this stressful. You know, it's not just you guys that have to move up and down the country. It's your wife and your three children as well. Yeah, it's 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 hard, and because we like from my wife's, we've got a daughter who's two, so she goes to nursery two times a week. But my my wife only speaks to other than me. She speaks to a six year old, a five year old, and a two year old. It can't be, it can't be fun every day, and there's only so much you can get out of those. Um, only so many conversations, serious conversations you can have other than he's hit me or he's fighting me, time to stop. Um, so she doesn't really get time to have her t- her time. So it is complicated, but then there's... Um, and then moving schools for the children. It's almost like I related very much to army bases. You move between army bases and you... Um, your kids can be settled in a school. Like my son, done a year... Let me work, do the maths. He done two years at a school and we moved him. Now my other son's now done join this new school but doing oh it's just but these are if I go to Joe Worrell and I said all this he'd be like what are you on about he's got no kids he doesn't understand so like these are like worries we have that what, like, what's next and then it's now ultimately like do you find you find a as football do you find a hub a base and you travel but then you could be driving an hour and a half to training so these are all complications you have outside of football which make up your whole life which then I think ultimately affect your football thing but the club here are great You've got Rachel, the player liaison, Ed and Harry, who are really good, hands-on, uh, making sure that the wives, the kids, the girlfriends, the players, are, everyone's just focused on the job in hand. And they've taken a lot of stress away, which is something that we're extremely grateful for. Well, I'd suggest you do a bit of a cooking night with um, Yatesy, Taiwo, you and Scarpa and uh, get everyone together. Cook up a storm and... Uh, 100% going to win. There we go. 100%. Watch this space and then you can make friends and you'll really settle into life go. in Nottingham. There you go. See, I've just um, sorted that one out for Harry there. Harry, it's been um, a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you for your time and thank you for, for the great stories. We do, though, have one final thing for you. So, Harry, welcome to the leaderboard. You can see the names currently at the top. Are you surprised by the name at the top of the board? No, not at no, all. No one is, actually. No. Uh, yeah, you see there. Right, so these are questions about you-ish. Okay. They relate to you. Okay, so five questions and a bonus question. First question. You were born in Welling Garden City, <laughs> which former England goalkeeper also shares the same birth town as you. David James. Yes, I told you that was an easy one, guys. Easy. One out of one. I've seen him in Welling. You've seen him in Welling? Yeah, yeah I have yeah, as he's well. That, he's that one. There we go. Right, two. You're openly best mates with Lewis O'Brien. What's his birthday? Oh. That'd be quick. 12th of May? Absolutely wrong. 14th of October. <laughs> Sorry, Lou, mate. Why he never says thank you when I send it on the 12th of May? <laughs> you might remember it this he year. He thinks I'm really weird. One out of two. <laughs> Three. Your dad's side of the family are Italian. What is the Italian word for football? 
Calcio. Say it a bit louder. Calcio. Say it in Italian. Calcio. Don't be yo. Spacey, what you just done. <laughs> I wanted it from you. <laughs> no, we're not getting it. Okay, right. Four. You won the FA Youth Cup. Yeah. Obviously beating Chelsea. Um, which Chelsea player still plays at the club? Oh. Oh, you're about to say it. I thought you were about to say Ruben it. Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Correct. Yes. Oh, three out of four. Question five. You have played for a number of teams in your career. We've already we said go. this. How many have you played for? And can you name them all in order? Okay. Norwich first, yeah? Played for or been at? Oh, been at, that are listed on your soccer base. Okay, just to clarify that, okay? Ten, ten, okay. Yeah, all right. Oh, sorry, I just gave you the answer to one of the questions there. It's been a long day, guys. It's been a long day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Norwich. Order, yeah. Swindon. Mm -hmm. Rotherham. Peterborough. Scumfort. Doncaster. Millwall. Lincoln, Huddersfield, Forest. Woo! You, no word of a lie. That was good. My son the other day asked me what teams I'd played for and we went on Wikipedia and we went through it. So I'm buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy with that question. Well, I did soccer base. I went one ahead you of you. Okay, so four out of five on the regular questions. Yep. You have one more uh, bonus question. And this one is coming in the form of a sound. So we've got a player to say a line. We've slightly changed the voice and you have to decide... Who this player is? Play the player in world football. Or no, in forest. Okay. forest. My birthday is on Christmas evening. Did you hear what it said? Yeah. What? Did you repeat what he said. My birthday is on Christmas evening. It's either Scarpa or Renan. Can I listen to it again? My birthday is on Christmas evening. Oh no, he's French. You can have it again. Go on. My birthday is on Christmas evening. No chance. Absolutely Can't no. get that one. Uh, Just name a name a player. Really play. Brennan Loddy. No. Serge Aurier. Oh, I knew his <laughs> Four oh, out no. of six. No. Harry, that wasn't too bad. Do you want to? Um, yeah, of course. Right, number four next your name, and then adjust in the uh, league leaderboard table. That's so good. You need to move. Down. I mean, he made up his game as he went along. You can go if you want. There we go. Well, four out of six. Harry, not too bad either on the leaderboard. Um, not too difficult. Thank you very much. No, thank and you. Again, thank you so much for coming on the official Nottingham Forest podcast on and off the pitch. Remember, guys, to subscribe and put the notifications on on YouTube and then subscribe wherever you listen to all your podcasts. Thank you very much for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. That was On and Off the Pitch, the official Nottingham Forest podcast, which, by the way, is also available in video form on our Facebook and YouTube channel. If you enjoyed the conversation, please use your podcast app to follow or subscribe and leave your notifications on so you never miss an episode.